This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Dude, Jeff, we have met in person. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a cra- it is weird now to like be online with everybody and be like, oh, I actually talked to you face to face like i was talking like jv reinflesh and i are writing a vela together and i had never met him in person like we're doing a ton of work together and i met him in person for the first time that's so funny but he's great though isn't he oh he's fantastic yeah Yeah, he's he's so fun to work with yeah he's one of my favorite people he actually was uh he hung out after the summit for like the week um here in nashville and i so i got to hang out with him quite a bit and actually uh, I don't know if you've heard this part yet, but I sold him a friend of mine's van. I saw the picture of it in our Slack. Yeah, it's yeah, hysterical. <laughs> it was so funny. Like him, he was looking for a van and we were sitting at my favorite coffee shop that I hang out at. And I was like, dude, I think that some friends of mine are selling a van and we were going to my house and these friends of mine, Heather and Eric live like two streets over. So I was like, do you want to go, do you want me to text them and see if they still have it? And they did. And they went and looked at it and Heather and Eric made them a ridiculous offer and they bought it and they drove it home. <laughs> that's hysterical. That's so great. It, it was so funny, but that's, it's funny. That's like one of the really fun things about doing events like that is you, and I don't know if you experienced this because you've of course got your podcast and stuff, but it's it's really funny when people walk up to you and they just start talking to you like you know them, but they're they've heard you on the podcast. Yeah, it was really weird. It's I was so not prepared. Th- it's really weird, man. They'll come yeah. up and they'll just start talking to you, and they'll like I had a couple people come up and they were, "How's your daughter? How's Dead South doing? Uh, yeah. All this stuff." And I'm just like, I have to stop in the middle of conversation and be like, "Hey, okay, what what's your name and where'd you come yeah. from?" Have oh, nice met? to meet you. Yeah, yeah but it's. Yeah. But I think that's one of the really fun things about a podcast, though, is it's it's like even as a listener, when you listen to the show, you get to know that person and you feel like, you know, them. Yeah, totally. And it was so good. Like, I think part of what was great about being at the Career Author Summit in Nashville is that, like, I felt very isolated as a writer from the writing community. And so that's the first time I've ever showed up to anything in person. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah. So it was so nice to be in person and be like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Like, <laughs> like these are the like these are the people that like I've been looking for. Like kind of like the tribe that I've been looking for, like kind of like wandering around feeling alone. And so it was just great to put like faces with names. But the whole like people knowing details about your life and not being prepared was weird. And also, like I do, I've for the last year, I've done like two editing sessions sometimes three editing sessions a week so oh, yeah i've worked with like over a hundred people and i don't like i don't remember all of them but they remember me <laughs> they, they absolutely do yeah <laughs> so like i'll be looking at them and i'll be like okay did i do a session with you or is it that like you look like somebody i did a session with or am i just like psyching myself out like it's just a weird <laughs> yeah it's a weird thing 
Yeah, it's such a funny thing. But uh, that I tell you, like, uh, I, you know, Jay and I, we really have planted our flag in on these in-person events like that. So obviously the co- be COVID the last 18 months or however long it's been now has been a bummer, but uh, dude, having a room that size was amazing. Like, I don't know how oh, you felt about awesome. that, but it was, it. Uh, it was, it was, cause obviously when we originally asked you to speak, we were expecting to have uh, a lot more people in that room, but we ended up with, you know, around 40 and, but it ended up being awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, selfishly, like I got FaceTime with some people that like I absolutely should not have had FaceTime with. So that yeah. <laughs> like some of the speakers, like there's really no reason an author at my level should be able to like have breakfast with JD Barker. But <laughs> that was um <laughs> well, yeah, but it was really awesome. And it was funny. That was my first time meeting JD. Was like, it really? Yeah, it was. It was so it was so when he walked in the room, it was funny. He was like uh he go, he, the first thing he said to me was, man, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, the, I literally was just like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. that was, that's what I said to him. That was Come my on, first man. words to him. Um, oh. So, and it was, it was really funny. And, uh, but it, yeah, it was my first time Jay had met him, but, but yeah. I had never met him. So that was the first time the three of us were in a room together. That's so, hysterical. Yeah. And it was, and, it. and that was funny too. Like going back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, Jay and JD and I talk every single week yeah. and on, on, on writer's Inc. And it was to meet him in person was just a totally different experience. And, uh, it's funny. I didn't feel like, like you got breakfast with them. I didn't even have a meal. With them. <laughs> so, but I, but I'm sure eventually I'll, I'll get to, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, that was just me showing up to the breakfast hotel early and sitting down there and like stalking people as they sat down. I was like, I'm going to sit with this group over here now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, but it was awesome. I mean, like you said, to be able to have, uh, to, to get to have those conversations. I mean, cause there were some real rock stars in that room Yeah, there you were, know, and some seriously. really smart people. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I definitely, I know that I walked away very energized and, uh, you know, this, this podcast we're doing is one of the things that came out of it for me. So, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And I think just like, you know, meeting you and Jay too, like I've been listening to y'all for so long, like, you know, for long before y'all knew I existed, I was listening to (laughs) you guys. So, you know, I think just connecting uh, face-to-face was really cool. Now I'm I'm curious. You said this was the first writing thing you went to. um, uh, And, you know, you, you of course did a, a speech there on, on dialogue and stuff. And we'll, we'll get into talking about the dialogue doctor. Um, but uh, your speech was awesome. Like you did a really, oh, thanks, really man. good job. So um, how much experience do you have doing that? Like oh, doing public dude. speaking like that? That's complicated. <laughs> um, we got time. So yeah, we got time. So, I mean, how much of my story do you want to know? Um, <laughs> I was, um, so I came out of, co- I was pre-med in college and I came out of college and I had this weird thing happen that led me to go into seminary okay. instead of med school. That's um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, a different path. And it was weird. Like my dad had just, there's, I mean, it's complicated. My dad had just died since we're talking about like being dads. Yeah, my dad course. had just died and left this like giant hole in my world. Cause my dad was like, superhero levels of world changing like you know he built hospital systems in africa from scratch and he like developed surgeries and testified before congress and so he was like this larger than life guy 
and um, he died. I was 21 when he died uh, and he died suddenly, like literally one minute he's there and the next minute he's gone. Mm. And so, you know, I was like in this weird place of searching and had some people in like church world graft onto me. And so for me, like in a very unhealthy way, looking back on it, I was like desperately searching for a father figure. So men paid attention to me. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. Um, so I went into seminary and I spent 15 years working for churches, um, which was hard and like not a not a great time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, great, yeah. yeah, I live in Nashville, which is a very yes, church centric no. place. So <laughs> yeah. and I have friends who are in it and stuff. And, and yeah, I know it's uh, mm. there's a lot of politics and stuff involved. And yeah, yeah. And I just never really fit because I'm kind of I'm a systems thinker. So part of me is like hey if it's broken we can fix it we just have to be able to like let go of things and i didn't realize how much my peers self-understanding was tied into the systems that they were in but anyway all that to say so i spent 15 years as a pastor and like talking to groups of like i i've spoken to groups of like 2000 i've spoken to groups of like lots of rooms of 15 like you know just like and everywhere in between so getting up in front of people and talking is nerve-wracking because i'm a i'm a i'm a pretty big introvert and um mm. super anxious but it is a skill that i had to develop to be like oh this is something i have to learn how to do so and it's funny like you said i did a good job i was watching the talk um because I asked Jay for you, and I'm going to throw Jay under the bus. I asked you and Jay for feedback, and you gave me good feedback. Jay was like, "You have to watch it first, and then we can get on a Zoom call." Yeah, and, talk. Yeah. and he's like, "Jay, Jay, typical like coaching way." It's like I don't want to watch it, so I watched it, and like you know, from my eye, I can feel my anxiety when it starts. You, I did, yeah. When you brought that up a second ago, you know, yeah, you definitely yeah. felt like rushing a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was definitely some anxiety there. Yeah, I come out of the gate on that talk like a. Uh, a freight train um and so it's uh yeah so that's yeah so that's that's where i did all that like i spent years like just standing in front of people talking about things and teaching things from like little children to like senior adults just like hanging out with all kinds of groups of people like i worked in inner city churches for a while that were like you know it just really lots of homeless stuff dealing with people with addiction um lots of inner city youth like we built an inner city youth mentoring program at one point um we built a charter school a public charter school at one point so just like but then also i've been in rooms where i'm like speaking to you know millionaire owning multi-million dollar houses um just kind of like you know executives in whatever field they're in cruise to so speaking isn't it what isn't new to me like that's something that i kind of bring to this weird author world that in my past experience actually pays off since most things in that world don't pay off <laughs> so it's like oh yeah this is a marketable skill that i could use that i got from that time well, those things are in that world, things are supposed to pay off way later. <laughs> so. Yeah. Including your salary, which has always been a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's I, I like, I, I have a buddy who um, 
runs AV at a uh, church down in Florida. And it's just, he, he talks to me a lot just about all these different things that he has to deal with and with money, with politics, with just, it's just, it's a really fascinating the ch- church work is a really fascinating yeah. place in a lot of different ways. Yeah, you know? I could talk about it all day, but it was one of those things of like, you get a bunch of people in a room who feel like they have some kind of divine calling to be there. Yeah. And things just get shitty. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, things <laughs> just get crazy. So, like, it's, um, but yeah, that's actually why I started writing. Um, I started writing. I started writing novels. I started writing like short stories as a stress relief because the job, like the job had gotten so stressful and so um, intense, especially because I was working as a change agent. Like my role in that world was to come into like broken places and be like, Hey, let's figure out how to fix what you're doing. And like, I got to the point where I started to call myself the bridge. I was like, I come in and I'm the bridge from the past to the future and it's going to suck. It's going to be really hard. And then at the end, everybody's going to be excited that we've crossed into the future. And then you're going to need to burn the bridge because I'm going to carry all of that baggage. Mm. And so I have to leave when the change is done because I take all the baggage away with me was kind of the goal was like, I'm going to take all of the past and walk out with it. So just running that role was like super stressful because it's a lot of like weird, like emotional processing. Like, let's talk about this place that you love. That's like a deep part of your life that like, you know, you met your wife at and your, your kids were born here and you were married here and your daughters were married here and you can't get your daughters to come back here And like, you know, you have this, like, you want it to be something, but it's just not, it keeps turning out to be something else. (laughs) That's like, it seems to bend a little dark and sinister and you don't really understand why. And like, it was just a lot of like sitting in those conversations and just like being the guy that had to like sit there and be like, yeah, I know. Like, I get it. Yeah. And a lot of times we like, and it's, it's, I know you're mad, but it's not my fault. Like, they're so i was so stressed i started writing at night just to like get that like anxiety because i was taking it out on like speaking of dad stuff like i was starting to take it out on my family and like mess with my like it was messing with my relationship with my kids and so i had to find an outlet so writing short stories became that outlet and then i got fired by an organization and writing novels became like a desperate plea of like i don't ever want to be in a place where like I'm nervous about like, how do I buy food for the children? Like that, like, so it was like, I need to, like, I knew novels wouldn't pay off right away. It wouldn't be like, oh, I can replace my career with this. I knew it was like, for me, it was like, I got to find another full-time job and I need a job that's like, okay, in 10 years, if I get fired again, I have something that I can turn to, to be like, okay, like nobody's going to starve. Like, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now there's easier things you can do to do that than write, but <laughs> well, but I don't have a lot of skill sets. Like there's only, there's only so many skill sets. You know, there's not a lot of people looking to hire seminary grads. <laughs> but but what's cool though is you you you've taken a lot of your skill sets and and moved them into the author world. You know, I mean, like you've you've launched the Dialogue Doctor and you're helping, you know, edit people's dialogue which is which is a fan which is i mean you're great at it 
And oh, thanks, man. Uh, I mean, so you know, you've gotten really creative and and how and how you do that too, you know. Uh, so yeah, so you have more skills than you're saying you do. Yeah. I'm curious how, like, so has your having a daughter impacted your drive for writing? So I, I actually started into my journey when my daughter was like three months old. So okay. the whole time I've really been writing seriously, I mean, I wrote and stuff before then, but it was more, um, always like an ass, like I'd never finished anything. Yeah. And um, my creative endeavor, uh, younger speaking of being a church stuff, I used to be in a Christian heavy metal band. No way. So, yeah. So I spent, I, I spent the majority of my twenties playing in bands and um, one of the bands, the last band I was in, I actually was in with my wife um, and I wrote all our lyrics and stuff like that. Um, That's so amazing. that was where a lot of my writing storytelling came out. And the last thing that we'd done was we did a whole concept. Like I wrote an entire like concept album that basically that told a story all the way through. And that was one of the things that really made me realize, like, I, I really need to try to finish a book. And um, so, but I didn't get serious about it until Haley was uh, a few months old. And my wife was cool enough to be like, you know, I had started listening um to different podcasts and stuff, including the horror writers podcast, which mm-hmm. Jay was a host of and, re- and, and actually realized you could make money doing it. Um, and, uh, and, and my wife was cool enough to be like, Oh, I believe in you. You can go tuck away in the bed, in your office, uh, at night when she goes to bed or stuff or whatever, like it's so important. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, so, Haley's kind of been in the picture the entire time I've been writing. And, but I will say as I have, as my career has progressed and as I'm thinking more big picture, um, yeah, a lot of the things I do, I mean, my goal is, you know, when I'm gone, you know, especially since I own my rights for everything right now, that could change in the future. And I I could look at doing traditional stuff, but I'm still going to have the rights to the stuff I do to, the 35 books I have out now or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, my goal with that, I want Haley getting paid every single month when me and my wife are gone. Oh, like, totally. I, I want her getting a paycheck from yeah. that, like a decent one. Yeah. Yeah. You 100%. Know? That's the um, dream, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah like as, the, as parent, the C.S. Yeah. Lewis foundation where like my great grandkids <laughs> could live off of the uh, residuals of Chronicles of Narnia. Just keep it. Exactly. Keep it coming. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so that's, that is definitely a big motivator of mine, you know? Um, because I, you know, I, I feel like if I'm able to hand that down to her, you know, um, uh, cause to be honest with you, like all the money I make in this life, I'm going to spend as much of that as I can before yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't, that I want that to be her inheritance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and so, so yeah, like that, that's kind of where my, my big thing is now. I will say what's interesting is, uh, I guess, because I kind of want to get into this. Um, I, I'm only, she's only going to have to split that one way. <laughs> but yeah. you uh, are in a little bit <laughs> different situation. Yeah, so, dude. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I have to ask, like, uh, you have five kids, right? I got five children. Five I have children. 18 years. At the recording of this, I have an 18 year old, a 16 year old, a 14 year old a about to be 12 year old and a seven year old yeah see so mine's seven so yeah um i got the gamut yeah you 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 are running the whole gamut there so 
So um, what I'm curious, so the question that I feel like I get asked more than anything is about making time. It is about how do you make time with all these other responsibilities with kids, all this stuff. Yeah. I don't, part of the reason I want to have you be the, my first guest on this podcast and be the inaugural episode was for that reason, because you have a full-time job. You, yeah. you write thriller and mystery novels. You have the dialogue doctor, you have yeah. five kids. And then I'm sure somewhere in there, your wife also likes for you to make time with her. So I, I'll just ask as blatant as I can, how do you make time for all that? How do you feel about that question before I answer it? Um, this is a tough question. I don't like that question. <laughs> I don't like it either. I, and, and I feel like that, and I can only look at my situation. Okay. Yeah. Which is having the one kid, you know, I, I had the full-time job for a while, uh, for a long time while I was doing this, I've got my wife, I have other responsibilities. Um, but I've always, even since the time when I, before I was writing and on my side hustle was as a personal trainer, um, even in that time, uh, my, I always told clients then I was like, if something's important to you, you'll never have to make time for it. Yeah. If it's a priority, then you'll have to do it and you'll get things out of the way that are taking up your time that don't need to be there, whether it's, and, and for a lot of people, there's things you can take right off the top. You know, you can yeah. not watch as much Netflix. You can, for me, I quit playing video games for like several years until yeah. actually I went full-time writing, but I understand that's not like, it's not that easy for everybody, but um, I don't know. Like that's, that's kind of, yeah. my I think, so my problem with the question is that, time is actually the only resource we can't make mm-hmm. right like you can you can literally make more money like you can set up a printing press in your basement and make money but, yeah, I, yeah for sure but you can't make time like time is the only resource we have that is um completely limited in its scope there are 24 hours a day they are coming and going and there's nothing you can do to stop them there's nothing you can do to add one to them. Like they are. So for me, it's not about making time. It's about prioritizing time, which is kind of what you're saying, right? Like, it's like, you know, what, what's your priority going to be? So like, it's, it's about like, what do, what do I value? And like, what is super important? And so like, you know, I set up routines And I stick to those routines because the routines are actually like my way of organizing this like limited resource that I have. So, Mm -hmm. and I like make sure, so the establishment of routines takes the pressure off of like having to find time in a ever depleting resource. Um, If I have a routine, I don't have to find the time. Right. Like and if I know my priorities coming into things, I don't have to like question what happens when. So for me, it's like I'm going to spend the mornings with my kids. So, you know, like this morning, they they all got up. I got up at six. I made everybody's lunches because I'm the house cook. I made everybody's lunches. They're all coming downstairs at seven uh, at six thirty. And I'm like making sure everybody gets breakfast and I'm like making sure to connect with every kid in that time. Cause I know like, okay, in the mornings I have from six 30 to seven 30 before I take them to school. So this is a moment where like, I'm going to make a connection and like be disciplined with like what I want their 
like how I want to set our moment together. So like I ask them like, you know, what's happening in your day to day. I usually have my headphones in starting when I'm like making breakfast lunches, but like when they start coming downstairs, headphones come out, right? Like, and I'm focused on like there. And then I make sure that I, I try to drive them to school every morning if I can. Right. Like it, sometimes my wife has to, cause I'll have like day job interference, but typically my day job doesn't start till nine and they're all out the door by eight 30. So like, if I can drive them to school, I'm going to do that. Um, because I, and then we like establish even routines in those small moments, like back when they were, when my oldest who just went to college was in second grade. I remember we, I was taking him and my daughter was in kindergarten. I was taking them to school for the first time. And I was like, man, what kind of routine can I set up? This was long before I was writing. It's like, what kind of routine can I set up in order to like help them carry our family values into their day? So we started this thing where like, I asked them, what are you going to do today? And they reply, love like Jesus, have fun and learn something. And I've been doing that with them every day since then. And like, it's those kind of like, and like, you know, having that kind of like disciplined routine thing that I'm structuring adds value to my time with them. So like, you know, I'm dropping my kid off, my kid off at college and we're having this like he's the first one to leave the house and he went to college in Texas and I'm in Maryland. So like, it's a long way away. Like we're, we're saying goodbye to him knowing like, okay, we're not going to see you until November at the earliest. So like, it's tough. And he's like struggling with it. And, you know, I got to have a moment with him where I could just be like, Hey, what are you going to do today? And like, (laughs) sorry, talking about kids always chokes me up, but like good man, (laughs) having that, like, ability to like focus my time in very like disciplined ways so that I can maximize moments with them pays off in the long run. So for me, like I get them from in the morning, then everybody leaves now post COVID. I used to have to drive 45 minutes into the office. Um, but post COVID I get, I now work from my basement because my day job closed our office. So nice. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Probably so, the best um, thing that'll come out of COVID oh is that God. situation. Cause a lot it's, of businesses are doing that. Yeah. It's yeah. so amazing. We gave up our office space. It was great. But so like I get that time in the morning and then I have, you know, kind of nine to four where I need to be hard focused on my day job. Like there's times that I can steal, in the middle of the day where I'm like, okay, I worked an hour over the weekend because we had a product go out or I did something on like, like this week, I ended up working like three hours on a Saturday night. So I have like Mm -hmm. time that I can like steal during this week to like cover for the time I took over the weekend to work. But like, and that's pretty routine in my week, like typically, or like I'll pull out, I'll have to work like Sunday night. I worked for an hour and a half on my day job because we had a product going out today that like had to get done. So now I've got like a flex day to day, but typically I've got from like nine to four where I'm in the house by myself and I just, I got to get work done. Like there's no playing around. Like I got to get it done because if I don't get it done, it's going to bleed into the other times. And it's like work job, like day job is number three on the priority list, right? Like if it's like, you know, family comes first, And then it's like self-care stuff comes second. 
there's things that I have to do that are just like self-care for me. And then writing and getting like my writing career up and running comes third. And then my day job comes after that. So it's like, okay. yeah, don't tell my boss that. No, she I won't. Knows. She knows. <laughs> um, so it's that kind of, she knows. So it's that kind of like, you know, for me, it's that layout. And so my day is structured that way. Like I get my jo- my day job done during the day so that by the time I hit like 4.30, I'm logging off and I can go upstairs and I do no writing and don't think about writing and don't touch writing from like, I mean, I say that, but sometimes I have to take a client in that time, but I try to guard 4.30 to 7.30 as like, this is time that I'm with family. Yeah. Like that's So we're doing dinner together every night. I'm cooking dinner every night. I cook in the kitchen. Again, like headphones out, no like laptop playing TV while I'm doing that because I want the kids coming in and out. I want to be asking them about their day. Like I want to be talking to them. We sit down at dinner around like 5.30. We have like good hour, just time hanging out, which again, doesn't have a naturally, like it's something that we've had to intentionally build over like 16 years of childhood of being like, okay, this time, even if like they're running to events and soccer practices and games and stuff like that, we're going to sit down at the table and like, it's going to be more about the conversation than the food. Mm. So like we go around the table and every kid says like, we always ask like one good thing, one bad thing from today. And so every kid gets to share and everybody knows nobody leaves the table until everybody's done sharing. So it's that like, you can finish your meal super fast if you want to teenage daughter who wants to go hide in her room, but you, you're not <laughs> leaving. So there's no point. So like everybody eats slow. Cause we know like, this is what happens in the evening. And then they, um, and it's all about like, for me, it's all about like listening to them and like hearing what's happening in their lives and not necessarily even trying to like teach them anything or like guide them, but just like focusing on them. Like this is our time to like give you full attention. Um, and then they start like, I, I try to put, if there's ones that need to be read to and tucked in, which are mine are like fleeting. I've only got one left. Who's like, I want you to read me a book. (laughs) I try to, my wife and I split that. Like we try to trade off nights, but typically we both either do one thing or the other. So, but that's all over by like eight. Yeah. And so like eight o'clock to usually I stay up until like 1230. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't sleep much. So eight o'clock to 1230, I'm like, okay, what, what am I doing? Like, how do I want to spend this time? And sometimes I'm just too tired and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour. Like last night I spent an hour like watching Goliath on Amazon prime. Cause it was like, you know, I just need, I need my self care. Like I need the downtime. I need, the, but then I have goals. Like I have a chart over here on the right. That's like five, seven days a week. These are the things I want to accomplish. I want to write five nights a week. At least I want to, you know, I got to drink, enough water seven days a week. I need to read five days a week, at least. I mean, so like, you know, I just know that I've got that like evening time from like eight to midnight to like get my craft done. Like that's the time that I need to. And so that's, um, it's just kind of like balancing that. The other thing I do in that routine is a lot of times I work at the kitchen table 
Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I've just had to learn how to like write in spurts. Cause like, I, I want to be around for the teenagers cause they're all night owls. So they all want, they like, they don't actually want to talk to you till like 10 PM, which is so weird, but they're like, at like 10 PM, all of a sudden they like want to chat. So I work at the teaching table and I like just have an ear on the room around me of like, okay, I'm going to have to focus in on so-and-so who's talking like, or like, you know, at this moment, I got to like tune out that conversation because it's like, nothing's actually happening over there. They're just screwing around. But then it like, you know, in a half hour, they're still going to be screwing around. And now they're actually going to be talking about something real and I need to like tune in. So like, it's that kind of like weird for me. That's how I balance all five trying to engage in their lives. And I'm not, it's not perfect. Like, it's not like this is ideal. You know, if I could, if I hadn't of screwed our family income over for 15 years by working in the nonprofit sector, and I had like a good nest egg where I felt like I'm going to be able to pay for them to go to college, I wouldn't be writing and Mm. I wouldn't be doing dialogue doctor. Like this like side hustle happened for me because I, you know, selfishly out of ego took jobs that like fed my deep desire to chase my father's glory Mm. and to like be a world changer as he was. And the place that that like, that that, kind of tweaked my ego at the right time in my life was church world. So for me, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be called to this thing because it makes me feel like I'm creating this amazing experience for people that's going to change their lives. Like my dad changed lives. Like it was that kind of like weird. So, and then they'd be like, well, we're not going to pay you anything. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's do it anyway, because we're changing the world. And like, you know, years of like not being able to pay the mortgage and like not being able to like pay bills and like just racking up debt. And so finally, like in my late thirties, I kind of woke up and I was like, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) oh, I got these five people that like these five little people that I want to be able to launch into their lives. And I don't have the resources to do that because I've been screwing around for, you know, not taking income seriously for so long and so now it's like yeah now i have to have a side hustle because i gotta have a couple side hustles because like i need to send my kid to college like dialogue doctor is literally paying for my kid's college right now and that's a huge motivator so like you know 8 p.m hits and it's not like oh i'm doing this because i have some kind of dream to be a writer someday it's like you know i gotta check i gotta pay on the 30th or my kid's classes get canceled (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like, I that gotta, brings I, a different attitude to oh, it though, dude, for real yeah super hustle with that kind of attitude like there's just like and there's like a, a i you know somebody recently told me they're like you know jeff you you act like you're really hungry all the time like you're just like driving 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 and there's this like hunger to produce and I'm like, it's not, it's not a hunger. It's a desperation of like, there are, there are individuals whose futures are dependent on yeah. me like producing. And if I can't produce, um, I don't know where, like how I support them. 
and with so many lining up, dude, like I took him to college <laughs> and we, we like started paying his tuition and everything was going great. And uh, we said goodbye to him. And then we had like two weeks of like emotionally processing where my wife and I were both in a fog. And then I looked up and my daughter was like, so when are we starting college tours? And I'm like, I didn't play this well at all. I got another one every two years for the next like six years. I got another one going to college. So like, and they all want it. Like I tell them all the time. I'm like, you don't have to go to college. Like you can just get a job. Like that's in a lot please, of ways. Please just get yeah. a- <laughs> like in a lot of ways, like that's a wiser decision. Um, but they all want to do careers that like are going to require college education. Like my son wants to be a doctor. My, my daughter wants to be a physical therapist. Like, you know, it's just my, my third kid, kid doesn't know what he wants to do. Uh, I ask him all the time. I was like, have you thought about what you want to do yet? He's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. So that's how I structure it. What do you do? What's your like time management routine system? Because five kids, one kid, it doesn't actually change. Well, like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it's different since I do this full time now. And, um, it, it, then it was when I had a day job. I mean, when, when I had the day job, uh, I would, my routine was to wake up earlier. So I would, I would wake up, oh, four thirty or so and try to start getting some writing done before I went to work. Um, Nice. So you did like the morning pages thing. I did the morning thing. So nice. for a while I would go and sit and I would go, I was a manager at my old job. So I had a key to get in the building and I would just go sit in the back room there and just work when no one else was in the building. And then after That's a while awesome. that changed because of some dumb stuff that actually led to me leaving that job. <laughs> um, I guess I can tell it here, I guess, it, cause it's kind of, it's somewhat relevant, but um, uh, one night, one of my, um, my the president of our company his laptop got stolen by a cleaner that we had come in and so after that my uh, my boss came and he was like hey i think it'd be a good idea for you not to come and do that like in the morning and and uh you know and i it was cool like i i know they weren't i knew they weren't blaming me i mean it was fun yeah, that's good. and they were just protecting me more than anything um and uh but what ended up happening was like a couple weeks later we had an employee who was coming in, still coming in on the weekends and working by himself. Mm. And so I went to my boss. I was like, Hey, I'm just kind of curious. Like, what's the difference? Like, I know that I'm not coming in working, but he's in the building by himself. And he was like, well, don't worry about that. And then he was like, Oh, by the way, I think it would be a really good idea if you didn't work on your book stuff before you came into this job. Cause I think you need to come in more focused. Oh, and, and, and I told him, and he was not a creative person. I told, and I told him, I was like, Hey, I think you actually have it backwards. I was like, I'm actually able to come in more focused because I'm getting all this stuff done in the morning and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So seriously. If, if I come in and I haven't done all this, it's pretty much all I'm going to be thinking about. Yeah. So I just realized then that it was time for me to start thinking about my exit plan. And then like, I think it was probably eight months later, I did the whole thing with Joanna and Lindsay where Joanna made me quit my job. So, That's awesome. <laughs> um, but that was kind of the thing that really, and after that day, I was like, cause when I would go to the, when I would go to work, I would go, I would work really hard on my book stuff in the morning. And then I would actually get to my desk way early 
and start working. After that, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to this coffee shop and I'm going to sit like near my work and I'm going to sit there literally until like the last moment I can to get to work right on time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, that's what I did. I started coming in like right when I was supposed to be there instead of coming in early. Yeah. Um, so I would, so, so I had the mornings. I also had, um, I would, I would use my lunch break too. you normally what I would do because people will bother you. If you go sit in the break room or in your office or whatever, I would go lock myself in the backseat of my car, um, with my laptop and I would sit there and I'd yep. write yeah. and, uh, you know, go back, finish the day job. I, I had a similar thing to you where I would hang out with the family and stuff when yeah. I got home and then would dedicate the evening to, uh, if I did do work stuff in the evening, it was always like admin or marketing type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so now obviously it's a little different because um, I, I'm full-time creative. I mean, uh, I, I write, I spend most of my day writing. Um, I also, you know, have writer's Inc. I have this podcast now. I mean, so admin like marketing. <laughs> there's, there's other things, you know, um, and I have some other things I'm getting into. Uh, but, but I'll say like one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking was <clears throat> something I tell people all the time is, uh, and you really kind of hinted at this, like you're, when it becomes something that you have to do, which you're in that position because you're trying to pay for college, it yeah. changes your relationship with it completely. Oh, 100%. And, and, and so when it became my, when this became my job, you know, and not just my mm -hmm. side hustle, it completely changed my relationship with it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's, I love writing. Like I'm still very thankful I get to get up and do this every single day, but, um, but it, I also have to. And, yeah. the, but the other thing I'll say is a, another misconception I think people have when they're not full-time is they, they assume they're going to get a lot more done if it's all they have to do. But I actually think the constraints that you have probably cause you to get a lot more done because I don't have you any know time to screw around. Yeah. You can't screw around. You're like, yeah. I have this. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. I knew I had like, I mean, there were days at my full-time job where I wrote way more than I do now, Yeah, you know? And, and, and I'm kind of at a place now too, where I'm trying to relax myself and get away from the whole, um, fast published thing. Um, and really there's days now where I might only work for like three hours in a day. And, oh, that's the dream, dude. um, and, and because that's all I can write, you know, yeah. and, and, and there's days where I don't have to do admin stuff or marketing or podcast stuff, but, but similar to you, I have other values. Yeah. So I, I, I I'm trying to take better care of my health. I'm trying yeah. to spend more quality time with my daughter. Um, not miss her school things and all that. Um, you know, so like I have other values that fill up that time and I was guilty about, I was guilty with that for a long time because I was stuck in the eight hour workday mentality. And it wasn't until probably the last year or so where I finally got over that. And I was like, dude, this is the life I've built for myself. Yeah. And that's and I, okay. I, you know? Yeah. I think that's something church world ingrained in me that was really good because there was no such thing as an eight hour day. Mm. Like I was on, I was on 24 seven. And if somebody needed something at two o'clock in the morning, like I had to be yeah. there, like if, you know, if there was like, I used to, um, when I lived in the city, I used to go sit out on, we, I lived in a row home. So we had like front stoops and there'd be like a block for those that don't live in East coast cities. There'd be like a block of like, um, you know, like 15 houses and they all share a wall and the houses are like eight feet wide. And so like my stoop is literally like 
four feet from the next <laughs> from the next front door. <laughs> so like, um, I you know I would like sit out on my stoop at night because I knew that was when all the homeless guys were going to come by. And like, so, oh, okay. you know, I was working like doing church work. I was working like, you know, 1am, 2am, just out there having conversations with like addicts, like trying to help them get into recovery or like solve whatever crazy problem they had going on. And so like carrying that mentality into the author world of like, there's no such thing as an eight hour day. Like that's yeah. not, that's not a thing. Like, you know, that's, I actually don't know a profession that doesn't get paid hourly that where an eight hour day is a thing. Like yeah. that's. It's like this myth from the fifties that we still hold on to that hundred like, percent yeah. it's from a specific time, the industrial time and all that, where yeah. it's that, that they are just in. And, and I'm hoping that's one of the things that changes from COVID is that as more people working at home, they see, Oh, people can actually be productive and work less Yeah, and, 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 and get more done, more done. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, for me, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yeah. Right. Like that's the hard thing is that if you want to start a side hustle that turns into a full-time gig, you're going to have to sacrifice something. And for me, it's been quality, which sucks Mm. because I'm, uh, I, I have this very like obsessive compulsive bent to me. So like, you know, I've, I've published 10 novels now in like, I think it's been seven years was the last time I was when I published my first one. And, um, None of them I like. None of them are at the quality. Like readers have liked them and enjoy them, but none of them have been at the quality where I'm like, yeah, this is my, this is my best work. Cause it's literally just like, you know, it is a hustle. It's like, oh, I got to get this out. I got to get to the next one. I got to keep moving. I could spend a year editing this thing, or I could put it into the world, make a little bit of money and turn that money into the next one. And like, it's that kind of like, I'm looking forward to where I can get to a place where I'm not having to churn like that. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can actually like create something that I'm proud of because I have yet to create a novel that I'm proud of. They're all just mm. like, you know, this was good enough for the moment to put it into the world. See, but I think we're all kind of chasing that. I don't, I don't think that, I don't know many authors. Well, tell me that. I, I don't think there's many... <laughs> I don't know many authors who um, are totally hundred percent happy with everything they put out, you know, not, maybe not even JD. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's just part of the like creative life is like, every time you look at something, you know, it's that, that famously Leonardo da Vinci quote, art is never finished. It's just abandoned. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just end up walking away from it at some point, but there's still like, I look back at the books today that I've written and I'm like, if I had just spent like six more months on that thing, if I'd just given it like one more edit, it would have been so much better than it is. But the problem is in like our current industry, quality does not equal more sales. No. Like, you know, I could, yeah, I could have spent six more months on my, you know, Watkins and Howe mystery book, but it's not going to sell anymore than it it did. Like, you know, it's not going to like have a bigger splash because the splash is actually about my audience, not about like how great that book is. It's about who I can get it in front of. Exactly. I I think the, I think the one caveat there is, you know, the the quality of the book is what could keep people around to get the next one. Yeah. It has to be good enough for people to read and want to stick around. But once you cross that good enough line, the rest of it is just window dressing. Yeah. Like once you get past that, like good enough line, it's not like 
if your book is, you know, 25% better, all of a sudden Amazon Prime is going to take notice and make it into a series. Yeah. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> it's not how that, it's not like there's some kind of like quality detector out there reading every book that comes out and it's like, oh, this one has reached the quality level of which we are now going to dub it with additional things, right? Like you're, it's about the audience you're building and like what you can give to them. For me, I've come to a place where it's like, okay, I can give this to my audience. They're going to love it. That, like it's to the level where they're going to love it and enjoy it because I know who I'm writing for. And, you know, would they appreciate it if I spent another six months on it and made it great? Yeah, but not to the place where it's going to stop them from sticking around, right? Like it's that like you got to, I had to find that line and it sucks. I hate that line. Like that's kind of where I am with it is like, I would love to like invest another six months in this thing, but I got a, I got a college parent coming. Like, yeah, no, no, I, I get it. Like, like, this crap, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think the, to me, the important thing is, is that you're iterating and trying to get each better, better with each project. And I think that you, you have to be doing that. Like yeah. every, every book you write, every edit you go through with an editor, like you're, you're going to learn stuff. That's going to make that process better for you and make that your next book better. Cause mm-hmm. I'm my first book sucks. Like the writing is terrible, but it's, it's got like a thousand reviews on Amazon and it's like 4.2 or 4.3 stars or something like people yeah. like it. And you know, I get asked all the time when I bring that up, well, why don't you go back and fix it? You're indie published. You could go do it. But I'm like, no, I'd rather move on and work on the next thing, which is going to yeah. be better. Yeah. You know? And people uh, ask me all the time. They're like, what's, what's the best, like, where do I start with your books? What's the best book you've written? And my answer is always like the next one. The next right, one is yeah, the best right? book I've written. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so, yeah. I, I tell people when they ask me that, I'm, well, for one, I, I, I don't, if it's like a friend or something, I don't know how you feel about this, but I can't stand when someone, you know, feels obligated to read something just because they know you. And I'm like, a book is a huge commitment. Like, it's not like, this isn't like a, a movie <laughs> there, yeah. wait, you know, but um, so if you don't like my genre, don't worry about it. Like you're not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't you know? matter. Yeah. Hey, did, does your wife read your books? Uh, no. And yeah. I don't care. Why does it either? <laughs> yeah. She's, she listened to a couple of the audiobooks. Um, cause she, she doesn't read, she's not a reader. Yeah. Um, she, she, she likes audiobooks, but she won't read, yeah. but I like, I didn't ask her to, I mean, she just did it. You oh, know? so you're better than I am. I asked my wife for my first book. I was like, <laughs> okay, I made this precious thing. And like, I want you to read it and tell me how you feel about it. Well, and I she should read go, like, uh, she early read like on I, chapters and she's like, she's like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, <laughs> nice. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but then I had to like step back and be like, okay, so like, what does she read? She reads like, my wife will read like, if there's a romance, you know, not a hard romance, not like Harlequin romance, but if there's like a, you know, romance infused series that she likes, like Twilight or like, um, oh, what's the one about the woman that jumps back in time to like, you know, Outlander, I, I, Outlander right? Yeah, my like, wife loves Outlander. Yeah, yeah. She, she'll read every book in that series. But I was like, I don't write anything that has to do anything with romance. Yeah. 
yeah, my wife loves fantasy. I mean, yeah. uh, so she loves like the Golden Compass and Harry Potter, and uh, and then she also likes parent. Like she loved the Sookie Stackhouse books, and she loves Outlander. That's fun. Um, so not nothing close to what I write, you know. Yeah. Um, fantasy is at least kind of in the realm of sci-fi horror, like, but it's not it's not close enough. That's um, but uh, but it's but it's but I have to say, and I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure you're kind of in the same boat with this. I mean she supported me in so many other ways <laughs> that it's yeah. like, Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that that is worth touching on before we get out of here too. Um, because I mean, I've met a lot of people who uh, they, a lot of authors who don't have supportive spouses. And, and I look back and I'm like, man, the, the fact that the fact that my wife let me lock myself up when we had a, a, a newborn, and, yeah. and trust and, and was like, Hey, I think this is something you can do. I mean, I don't take that for granted. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know? My wife is like that. Like, well, like last night, right. Like I went to go pick up the teenagers from their, like the church event they were at and I brought them home and it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm like, I got to go. I got a podcast to put out. I got a YouTube link to put up. I got to write a newsletter. I got to like, I got to get into like Sunday nights is my like dialogue doctor night. I had pushed it all the way to nine o'clock. I was like, now nah, I got to do it. And she's like, great. I'll finish the night. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, but that's like, I don't know without her like partnership of that, how it would do. I will say before we sign off, it was good to learn about like family, not reading books for my wife before my kids became teenagers. <laughs> because there's this weird thing where like they want to they partially want to know what you do for a living yeah but they don't really <laughs> so like my daughter was my daughter's huge into writing in english and she's like you write books can i read one like she was like 13 and i was like uh <laughs> it's like she, like they're over there on the shelf if you want and she got like she got through one full one and then she got like halfway through the next one in the series. And then, you know, she's a teenager. She got distracted. Yeah. She's like doing other stuff. She's not a huge reader herself yet. Like she's kind of drifting that way, but not yet. And so like, I could see like an early version of me getting very like offended or like hurt <laughs> that she like didn't get through it. And I had to, I like, thankfully I'd already gone through that with my wife. So I could be like, yeah, that's not what, that's not why I do this. Like I'm yeah, not doing exactly. this. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> She's not buying it anyway. So like, you know, like what's the point of her like cramming through all these books? But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I would uh, be curious what my daughter does because you know she's seven now and she she tells everybody I'm an author. Like she like we'll we'll be on the playground. Like I'll take her to the playground and I'll just hear her going, like, that's my daddy over there. He's an author and he's got a bald head. That's what she tells everybody. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you don't have to tell they can see I have a bald head, but yeah. um but uh so when, I'm, my, and she, when my daughter read my first book she took i got it you'll love this story she took it to her her uh english teacher in oh. freshman year of high school and the english teacher who's like because you know there's that world of our industry that's like they got their master's degree in english and they just they really firmly believe in the system of agents and getting a contract and like in the author world is just like nonsense to them yeah <laughs> and her english teacher was one of those so she gave it back to my daughter and he's like your father should not be writing these books 
And like my daughter comes up, she's like, she said you shouldn't be writing these books. And I was like, well, like you know, I'm kind of like, I'm like, well, I am, but you can't stop me. Like, <laughs> like that. But then, thankfully, like the next week, my daughter was like in the library, and the librarian just like because she knows our family had was reading one of my books, and my daughter was like you're reading my dad's book and the librarian was like oh i'm a huge fan i read all of his books and so, oh, so that's it's like awesome. this like <laughs> redemption <whew>. okay <laughs> like dad's a real author like you know. that's awesome that's yeah. so that's so great <laughs> the english teacher got a little smug about it but the librarian was okay the librarian's like yeah i'm into this <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah of course then my daughter's like can we put him in the library and the library's like no he cusses no nah, i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> like, i wait for that converse my daughter made that conversation too because i'm like nah my books wouldn't be good in your library you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah your middle school library doesn't want my books yeah exactly. it's all good <laughs> Uh, well listen dude um this has been an awesome conversation why don't you tell people where they can find you whatever you want to tell them about yeah, so my fiction is at jeffhelkinswriter.com. Uh, you can find everything there. I write, I've been working on my brand statement, so I'm going to try it out. I write uh, stories about outcasts who defend the oppressed, rejected, and forgotten of society. Um, nice, yeah. That's from the Career Author Summit. Thank you, Dana <laughs> Kay. Uh, so, um, and then Dialogue Doctors at dialoguedoctor.com. If you're a writer and you want dialogue coaching, uh, I'm there all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. And if you Constantly. write, you should definitely check them out. <laughs> yeah, so. there's a there's a podcast, there's a new letters there, there's free tools. You'll sense as you go to the site, you'll sense my obsessive compulsive need to put things into the world because it's all <laughs> there. Awesome. And we'll have all that stuff down in the show notes. So Jeff, dude, thank you so much for coming oh, on being my inaugural guest. I'm so honored. This is amazing. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks dude. Awesome. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies, and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creatordad.